are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. So again, the topic of my message this morning on God is God is generous. And how many people, just by a show of hands, have ever had a job that is completely 100% based on performance? You know what, maybe a salesman, maybe something like that. Did you like that job or was it awful? Awful? I think the worst job, like I was a garbage man and, and, and that kind of stuff, but that wasn't the worst job I ever had. The worst job that I ever had is... I was in probably year three of Bible college, and it was tough to get a job to be able to work around my schedule and that kind of a thing. And, and if I remember right, we went into the summer break there, and I was looking for more of a full-time employment, and I responded to an ad in the paper for a Kirby vacuum salesman. How many, has anyone else done Kirby vacuum salesman? Yes! Isn't that terrible? Like, what they do is they get you into this room and they talk about, I remember, I remember the boss sitting down with us and saying, you know what, I've got my degree in business. And um, he says, my dream in life was to be able to own a Porsche Targa. And he says, now Kirby has fulfilled my dreams. I have my Porsche Targa and that is my summer car. And then he goes, for my winter beater, I drive a Jaguar. It's like, wow, that's, that's pretty good. Like, your beater car's a Jaguar? Because I have a K car, and it's falling apart. It was orange, like an old Coke car. It was orange, and literally, it fell apart. The, sh- the frame shredded, and I had to leave it in a parking lot and call the Kidney Foundation to tow it away. So I'm like, this sounds really appealing to me. And we would get together before they would send us out on the road, and they would sing songs. You know what they would sing? You're going to think I'm lying to you, but it's absolutely true. Every time, they would, they would have this little meeting, and they would highlight people who sold. So if you sold a Kirby that day, you'd get high fives, and everybody would pass you around and be like, you're the best, you're the best, and then they'd start to sing. Hail, hail, the gang's all here. We sell the Kirby, we sell the Kirby. Hail, hail, the gang's all here, the Edmonton Kirby gang. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the Kirby, in the Kirby. And I'm just like, this is a cult. Like, what have I joined? And, and I sold four Kirby vacuums, and I think my profit margin is like 450 bucks per, per Kirby. But then I realized afterwards, like, I sold four of them, but, like, it's all, it's all lies, right? And, and there was this, there's these other people there, uh, other salesmen who made a sale, and I sold to this one lady, and I sold it for the price, but there's this, there's this margin in there that, that people can keep going down. And whenever you go down, it comes off of the salesman's profit, not the, not the management. It goes off of your profit. So as I sold, one of my other sales guys sold to another lady, uh, and they were best friends. And they started talking, saying, I bought a Kirby. Yeah, I bought a Kirby too. How much did you pay for yours? I paid $1,400. Oh, really? I got mine for eleven. dollars so you have an Alberta four days to say, I don't want this anymore. And out of the four vacuums that I sold, like, yes, money's, money cometh. I can, I'm starting to work towards my Porsche and my Jaguar beater. 
Three of them canceled, and all of a sudden, I work for three weeks for nothing. And I'm like, this is not what it's cracked up to be. See, we live in a world of performance. We live in a world where, where we feel like we need to be able to measure up, but that is not God's culture. God is, his culture is an upside-down kingdom. The narrative culture, the narrative in that culture goes like this. Love and forgiveness are commodities. They're exchanged for performance. God's love, acceptance, and forgiveness must be merited by living right. What God wants for us is not to sin and instead to do good. This narrative is rooted as a false narrative and a half-truth. True, God does not want us to sin, and God wants us to do good, but it's only because sin harms us as his kids, and acts of goodness are healing both to us and the recipients of our goodness. So why is this, this thought so entrenched in our culture, where we need to earn God's favor in order to, for him to pour out his... So um, from a young age, we learn from our parents, and we as parents teach this same thing about a reward system. You know what? If you're good, you're going to get rewarded with good things. But if you're bad, you know what? Maybe you're going to have a spanking or you're going to go for a timeout or be grounded because you did something that wasn't right. Now, I'm not saying that we need to throw away punishments and this kind of stuff, but it's ingrained in us that when we do good, we become rewarded. And when we do bad, we become disciplined. School. When we do good in school and we apply ourselves, we get an A. But when we do bad and we don't do well, we get an F. So when we have this whole thought and this whole culture thing of I, in order to be accepted, in order to do well, I have to perform. And God's like, you don't have to perform for me. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. God pours out his love and generosity on the deserving and on the undeserving. How do we know this? Do you remember in the Bible, in, in, chapter, in Luke, where, where Jesus was hanging on the cross between two thieves? See, one of the thieves was, said to him, started to mock Jesus and said, if you really are who you say you are, come off the cross. Save yourself, and you know what? Save us while you're at it. Where the other thief sat in that place and said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? This man has done no wrong. It is us who are the criminals. Then he turns to Jesus and he says something that just is so cool. He says, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. That is powerful. Why did Jesus open up paradise for him? He was a thief. He didn't, he didn't do well. He didn't earn his way into heaven. See, we believe and we start to think that I have to A plus B equals C, and if I want God to love me, I have to jump through the hoops and I have to act a certain way. And God is like, I love you, and my love for you is unconditional. We serve a generous God who gave us access to the very throne room because he wants, he likes you. He's crazy about you. That is the God that we serve. And when the thief said, remember me, what was he saying? Was it, rem remember all the good things that I did, Jesus? Of course not. He was a thief. Was it, was it remember, Jesus, that I stood up for you on that day? Of course not. Jesus could have called down a legion of angels to rescue at him at any time. But it was like, Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, remember me.
write my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Walk in that place. And Jesus says, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. I'm going to ask you to do something that might be absolutely impossible. I'm going to ask you all, if you wouldn't mind, to humor me this morning and close your eyes. And I want you to let go of everything that you think you know about God. For a moment, let's just try and imagine that you know nothing about him. Then you're about to hear Jesus tell us a story about God and how he relates to us. Simply listen to Jesus tell you about the God he knows without any preconceived ideas. I'm going to read from Matthew 20. God's kingdom is like an estate manager who went out early in the morning to hire some workers for his vineyard. They agreed on a wage of a dollar a day and went to work. Later, about nine o'clock, the manager saw some other men hanging around the town square unemployed. He told them to go to work in his vineyard and he would pay them a fair wage, and they went. He did the same thing at noon and again at three o'clock. At five o'clock, he went back and found still some others standing around. He said, why are you standing around here all day doing nothing? They said, because nobody hired us. He told them, go, work in my vineyard. When the day's work was over, the owner of the vineyard instructed his foreman, called the workers in it to pay them their wages. He started with the last hired and then went to the first. Those hired at five o'clock came up and they were given each a dollar. When those who were hired first saw that, they assumed that they were going to get far more. But then they got the same and each one of them, uh, each one of them a dollar. Taking the dollar, they groused angrily to the manager. These last workers put in only one easy hour, and you made them equal to us who slaved all day under a scorching sun. He replied to the one speaking for the rest, Friend, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on a wage of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. I decided to give to the other ones who came last the same as you. Can't I do what I want with my money? Are you going to get stingy because I am generous? Go ahead and open your eyes. This is a story that Jesus' hearers would have been familiar with. You see, back in the day, they believed that around Jerusalem, there was about 18,000 men who were out of work. And what would happen is the men would go to the fields, and they would try to look for a job. And if they couldn't find a job, they would go to the marketplace, and they would hang around and talk, hoping that somebody would come by and say, I need you, and come. If this was the only story that you knew about God, what would you conclude? Does God behave in the way that we often see him betrayed on in churches and in the world? Brennan Manning, an amazing author, says this, Jesus reveals a God who does not demand but who gives, who does not impress but who raises up, who does not wound but heals, who does not condemn but forgives. We live in a world where people demand, they oppress, they wound, and they condemn. In our world, we earn what we get, so we project that onto God. It's easy to conceive of a demanding, oppressive, condemning, wounding God who must be appeased, but the God that Jesus knows is 100% ultimately generous. So then what is generosity? Generosity happens when a person is living from a condition of abundance or when a person is moved to the needs of others. This last year, when Cindy and I first moved into the house there in Coal Lake, we thought we'd try a garden. And we planted some plants, and we put down the right fertilizer, and we did that, and it was awful. Like, I just don't think it was at the right part of the house. It didn't get enough sun, but, like, we got one green pepper that was about this big, 
And I spent about 400 bucks on this garden getting it ready and nothing produced. And Sydney's like, that was a waste of time. I'm not going to do that again. And, and last year, I'm just kind of like, I just feel like I want a garden. I just want to try that. So now I've lived in the house for nine years, and I know where the grass grows really well. So I got uh, Josh Crick came over, and he, and he um, rototilled a little portion for me there, a, a big portion. And I said I want to grow eight tomato bushes. So I put in eight tomato bushes, and I started talking to people who were gardeners because I've never done it before and didn't know what to do. And I started planting these tomatoes, and it, they just multiplied. Like, I had so many tomatoes. I was, like, I just had hundreds of tomatoes off these eight plants. And I had so many tomatoes, I didn't know what to do with them. So I, I gave them to my neighbors. I gave, came over and gave them the thing. And then I still had so many tomatoes that, that started to ripen that I brought them to the church, and I put a little sign on there, free, for three weeks in a row, big bushels of, of tomatoes, and people just took them off, and they were gone by the end of the service. It was so cool, but I was able to give out of abundance. But you know, we can also give when we have little. See, you remember the, the story about Mike Love and, 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 and Bible College, how this guy, he learned a lot from him? Do you know who that guy was? It was Lynn Berger. Lynn and Sharon would invite people over at Bible College every week and have a supper when he had nothing. In Bible College, God showed me the same thing. I was walking one time, and it was cold, and I ran into this street person. He says, can I, have, can I have some spare change? I'm like, brother, you're asking the wrong guy. Silver and gold have I none. I'm a Bible College student. And I, he's like, okay. And I started to walk away, and Holy Spirit says, I want you to give him his, your coat. I'm like, God, but I don't have another coat. I've just got this one coat. He's like, I want you to give it to him. I'm like, hey, buddy, come here. I said, man, it's cold out here. It's like, yeah, it's so cold. I said, here's my coat. And I gave it to him, and he left. And you know what? God has provided for me so much through Bible college where I didn't need to get a loan. I didn't need to be able to do that. God just opened up door after door after door because I was just walking in that place that he called me. So generosity, it can flow from a place of abundance or a feeling of compassion. God is moved by both. God is generous because he lives in a condition of abundance. He, his provisions can never be exhausted. And God is moved with compassion because he sees our needs. See, we are still reaping today those blessings. Cindy and I, we got married um, 20 years ago. We celebrated our 20th in July. And when we got married, my mom and dad furnished our place for a wedding gift. And when we moved to Cold Lake, you know, uh, um, about 19 years, we have had the same furniture. And it was in pretty poor condition. Like, the, the chairs were, were all, foam was sticking out of it and stuff. And when we'd have people over, we'd just put little doilies over it so you couldn't tell. And they were pretty uncomfortable because that's what we had. And Cindy's like, you know what? Let's go get some new furniture. I'm like, yeah, I think it's time. So she says... Um, Let's go down to Avon's Furniture in Edmonton. That's where we bought our, our, our original stuff. And, and the owner there was a Christian guy. His name's Scott. And, and he says, let's go and see Scott. And, and we went down there and walked in there. And he, Scott walks up to us and he's like, can I help you? I said, hey, Scott, how are you? He goes, I'm doing good. He goes, um, 
you're a pastor, aren't you? I said, yeah, yeah, you remember me? He goes, yeah. He said, how's things going? We just started touching base for a little bit. He goes, well, what can I do for you today? I said, well, we're just looking for some furniture. He says, okay. So we had a budget of about 4000 and we really needed to do everything, but we're like, obviously we can't. So we, we started going through it, and he says, so what do you want? And we're like, well, we need the living room furniture first, and we want a chair, a couch, and a love seat. He says, okay. He says, I tell you what, you buy the chair and the couch, and I'll, I'll throw in the love seat. We're like, okay. And then didn't really think much of it. It's probably one of those deals that buy two, get one free, right? And then we go, and she says, okay, we also want to get some furniture for downstairs. We want something comfortable you can watch movies with and that kind of stuff. So we'd like, like a leather couch for down there. He's like, okay, you buy the leather couch, and I will throw in the other leather couch and the Ottomans for free. We're like, okay. This is weird. Like, you don't know us. And we definitely heard it on the second time. We're like, why are you doing this? He says, you know, Lance, I remembered you. When you walked in here, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, I want you to bless him. And he says, so I'm going to bless you today. I'm like, oh, my goodness. He's like, what else do you need? I say, well, we need a kitchen table. He says, okay, you buy the kitchen table, and I'll throw in 10 chairs for you. We're like, okay. What else do you need? I said, well, we would like to get some, some end tables and, and that kind of stuff for, for downstairs. And he's like, which ones do you want? We said, well, that, that marble end table looks really cool. He's like, they're yours. I'll throw those ones in. We're like, and upstairs, we need like a, 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 an end table, two end tables and a coffee table. He goes, they're yours. I'll throw those in. By the time we were done, we outfitted the whole, whole house. And do you know that we did the math. Now, at the, the, the price tags that were on them, I know he gets a deal on that. But on the price tags he, 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 uh, that was on them, we ended up spending $4,000 of our, of our income. His portion was $6,000. And we're like, God, this is amazing. Lord, why did, why did you do that? And I was like, Lord, just lay that on our hearts that I love you kids. And I just look for opportunities to be able to bless you. Guys, God wants to bless us. God is our Father. And you know what? How many people have been just so blessed in this room by, our, by the Father? Like, keep your hands up for just a sec. Guys, look around. That is our God. I, in fact, I think 100% of us have our hands up. Maybe, okay, 95. There's 5% that says, you know what, I, I don't raise my hands. So that's cool. Love, forgiveness, acceptance, kindness are not commodities that diminish the giving. When we offer forgiveness, we do not have less, nor do we diminish our capacity to forgive each time we forgive. So why do we seldom live generously? We live from a condition of scarcity. I don't know, maybe we never got enough love from our parents, enough toys on our birthday, enough affirmation from those who know us. Our checking account is limited, and often our money is spent before we earn it. So living from a condition of scarcity, we learn that we must protect what we have. And if we give it away, we might end up in dire straits. And God is like, I want to test me. I want you to test me in these things. With God, however, everything is constantly generous. 
Everything that we have is a gift. We are made without any effort on our parts. We breathe undeserved air. The sun radiates upon us we, um, and uh, rises and warms our plants along with the unmerited rain which nourishes the land, yielding delicious fruits and grains. It's all manna, all unearned provision of lavishing from our Father. We have never been and never will be in a place where we can turn to God and say, God, you owe me. I deserve this. We do not deserve anything that we've been given. We have earned nothing, yet God continues to give. That is because God is not interested in what we can do for God. God is interested in something much more important than our good works. What is it? When Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment, he answers clearly, the greatest commandment is love. If we were to ask Jesus, what does God want me to know, I believe his answer would be this. God wants you to know him and to love him, period. Isn't that simple Christianity? Sometimes we make things so complicated, but yet the Bible says, I want you to have faith like little kids. I want you to come to me like the children. This narrative of God tells us who is loving and merciful, whose desire is to be loved and to be loved. There no, this no way negates the fact that God is unflinching against sin. God hates sin because it hurts his kids, and God is crazy about his kids. In fact, if we read in Romans chapter 6, we read this. Well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Um, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in baptism, we were joined in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. But in sin, there is forgiveness. And this is unmerited grace. I don't know, maybe you're here today and you've been living with this heaviness over you to perform for God, to jump through hoops. What would your life look like if you understood that God's desire is twofold, know me and love me? You know what? I just want to close the service today with communion and if the team could come. Because in communion... I think we see God's grace and his generosity in an amazing way. See, the Bible says in a scripture that every single one of us in this room have heard at least one time, for God so loved the world that he gave. He loves you so much that he gave his only son to die for you so that we could have eternal access to the Father. My friends, when we understand that God is good all the time in the midst of trouble, we know that God's got our backs. That God is so trustworthy that no matter what circumstance we're facing, that he's got us in the palm of his hands. And that God is generous. We start to build a faith that is unparalleled to anything else, that nothing can ever shake us or rock us. And when we participate and partake of communion, the Lord said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to do this so you, 
are in that place where you say, Dad, you sent your son to die for me, to grant me forgiveness. And that is the most generous gift any one of us in here could ever set. And it's absolutely 100% free for just saying, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And Lord, I ask that you just come and reign and rule in my life because I want to bow my knee to you because God, you are a good God and you have my best interest in your heart. That's our God. That's who we serve. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.